I am so excited. Like you said at the beginning, like it just didn't work in the summer for, for, you know, COVID and a whole bunch of And oh my God, I never want to go back that to that again, but it is, (laughs) um, I believe, you know, and, and 2023 is a very exciting year. We're all coming out of like hibernation. Yeah. and the rules are changing and this Mm. is why I think and thank you for what the two of you are doing with this podcast because you've carried so many people through that time but you know everybody's we're all healing the world Mm. is healing and things are changing and we don't know what's coming next right right but what you guys are doing here and having these conversations are getting people talking. And when people are talking, then, you know, yeah, it's interaction, right? Interaction, right? And and it's, it sparks and, you know, it, I think it's brilliant. Thank you. The MTG podcast is a virtual space for women and men in the tech and creative industries. Tune in as we put it all on the table, sharing authentic life truths as we sustain and empower each other in search of our tribe. We're more than a designer. We're more than our name badge. We're more than the work we produce. Welcome to the More Than Graphics podcast. We're We're that that tribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the More Than Graphics podcast. We made it. (laughs) 2023, we made it. Um, Welcome to season five. Okay, this is huge for us. We've been doing this for a little while now, and we've got some skin in the game. We've um, learned some things. We've come around some things. We've pivoted. We've done all the things that really help make us more defined. So for those who are new, I'm Danielle. And I'm Cicely. And we've been podcast sisters since the beginning. And I love the fact that we've been able to do this together, grow, learn, expand, speak truths into each other through this platform together. So for those who are new, the More Than Graphics podcast is a virtual safe space for women in tech and the creative industries. And it serves as a tribe with a vibe to educate, inspire, and empower one another while still on this lifelong journey of simply doing the work on self. So if you don't already know, MTG is kind of, you know, we're getting around. Um, MTG is a ranked top 10% podcast by ListenNotes.com and we're featured across multiple platforms. And I'm just so proud of the work. It's yes. not even a matter of like, Cicely, like us, like sharing, uh, sharing an interview here or there. It really has been like this showcase of work. How do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I think it has been definitely a labor of love. Um, and it's just really crazy to kind of look back, to be retrospective and just see how far we've come. Just like kind of from the beginning when we were fumbling through things and didn't really know, like we had like the vision was there, but it wasn't as clear, I would think. Like I think yeah. end of season, by the beginning of season two is when we're like, okay, so now we kind of know what the vision is, what we're really trying to do, like what's the message that we're trying to put out there, who we're trying to attract to find us. So all those things really came together um, at the start of season two. And it's just a beautiful thing to see it grow and continue to flourish. And I'm just so excited for what the season has to bring. Yeah, there's so many cool things that are happening like within this season, um, like our 100th episodes happening this season. We have like such amazing things that we're so proud of. But really what this boils down to is a reflection of the community. It's a reflection of each of you listening. It's a reflection of each of you watching. It's a reflection of whether or not you hit like or subscribe or follow any of us across our social platforms. It really is a matter of saying, you know what? 
I dig these girls. I dig what they're saying. I'm going to get behind it. So uh, really, season five is like a big, giant celebration <laughs> of, of each of you overcoming and listening. Um, it's, a, it's definitely a celebration of people who have taken the advice and the stories of others and implied them to their own lives. So I just want to say thank you. If you're listening in any type of range, if you're brand new, if you've been around for a while, thank you. Um, which kind of leads into this next topic, which is the very first topic of our season, vision. I think that is so incredibly impactful, Cicely. I know that vision for us is like, you know, the vision boards. It's, you know, making sure that we speak to ourselves more often in that softer tone versus that harsher tone. It's right. understanding the things that we're doing right now could impact us much deeper um, in the in the moments, in the years, in the months to come in 2023. I, this was spot on. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just, like I said, I'm still, there's just excitement and buzz. And I think I told you and Priscilla, like kind of on, um, I think this was on our gingerbread house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I think I just mentioned that like, for me, the overarching um, kind of theme in my life right now is just being hopeful. Like I feel a lot of hope and a lot of positivity going into this year and just going into, you know, the end of finally nursing school this year and just, you know, and a lot of good things I feel are on the horizon, especially after having a, a tough last quarter mm-hmm. of last year. I just feel very hopeful um, about the things to come. And I feel like each of our topics for um, the podcast this year that we always think of ahead of time that literally always end up working out, like it's just serendipitous. It's just it's amazing how that works out. But yes. I feel all of them can still fit into that overarching umbrella of having hope and being hopeful for me. So like I said, I'm just so excited to meet all of our guests, to share our guests, to share our knowledge and to share these conversations. All right, y'all, like we're doing it. We're doing the thing. This is Vision, and I am really excited for the guest. Um, A really cool backstory about this is that we were planning this type of conversation for last season, and it just didn't work out with everything going on in the world. And I just feel like this was that intended time. It needed to be here. Alex Leach is a neurodiversity specialist. She consults and coaches both parents and educators, helping them to help and support their amazing neurodivergent kids to flourish and become who they are meant to be and all that they can be. Her vast knowledge in brain science and mental health and wellness paired with her personal experiences give her a rich and unique perspective. This enables Alex to, de- to deliver a wide range of support and resources, helping her clients to deepen their understanding of the why behind behaviors and challenges while providing tools and strategies which help to strengthen mindset and problem-solving skills in order to achieve the results they are looking for, for their child and their family as a whole. Welcome to Alex. Yay! Uh, Thank you, guys. I'm like, I'm so impressed by this woman. Who is she? I want to meet her. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, they're talking about me. (laughs) I love it. Your credentials speak eons. And I love the fact that you are, the way that I've seen you build your platform, specifically on Facebook, um, has been very, very inspirational. And I think it's really cool because in this space, we can talk about it more in the workplace, in the day to day. But it also Mm -hmm. relates to a lot of us who are not only women in the workplace, but we carry that workplace home. Some of us to our families. And um, yeah, I just love the fact that you stand already firmly in this type of platform. So I'd love to hear from you. Like, how do you define neurodiversity, first of all? 
Well, neurodiversity, you know, um, is that we are all different. It's like biodiversity, except for when it comes to the brain, right? And you have to have different parts and different ways of looking at things because everything was the same. Nothing would get achieved. Nothing would get done. And so neurodiversity is really all the differences coming together and really respecting what each individual brings to the table. Unfortunately, over time, and like different was always looked at as wrong, you know, or that that's not how we do things. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it is speaking as a neurodivergent individual myself, it was incredibly difficult because you were always that square peg round hole syndrome. And that not only um, <clears throat> when you are neurodivergent, you, it, it interrupts productivity. It messes with those internal thoughts. It, it's, it's so, um, it touches everything, right? And then now with people realizing that different is good and what makes us all um, like an enriched society, enriched people is that those differences bring creativity and spark and we need those um, different ways of thinking to um, to, to move forward, to evolve, not only as individuals, but in work, in the workplace, at home, because stag- like if you become stagnant, it's death. It definitely speaks true for me, just as a parent of a child mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. with autism, that is extremely important yeah. to me for yeah. them to be able to express and to uh, express not only their words, but their thoughts, but their opinions. Um, and also mm-hmm. let that be as a standing ground, either for conversation or for thought. And I think when we talk about, um, you know, putting people in labels or categories and things mm-hmm. along those those lines, it really kind of holds us back. Um, and I feel as a parent, I feel like it holds our, our kids back mm-hmm. from being able to be fully expressive of who they are, but mm-hmm. also fully expressive of their thoughts and their mind processes. And I yeah. love the fact that you mentioned like in a society sometimes that kind of want to squabbles that a little bit, yeah. we're becoming more eye opening and more aware of that in 2022 mm-hmm. and 2023. So right. I can only imagine, you know, what the future is going to be like as we're just now starting to expand and unpack a lot of those details around neurodiversity. Well, it's it's very interesting because a lot of people are like, oh, is this the new hot topic? Is it like, Mm. oh, everybody's autistic? I'm like, no, it's been around for a long time. You look at like all the creatives, musicians, artists, even like tech gurus, they are all neurodivergent individuals, right? Like we all play an important role, right? And it's, it's about time that we, you know, we, we all come and work together because it's very important, as we said, to have those different point of views and what's happening is in the workplace and what's happening at home. It's, it's, it's happening everywhere is that you don't have, you know, if you have a slight, if you're, how should I put it? You're, you're marching to a slightly different drummer, right? Then they don't want to hear the tune, right? Or they hear the tune, but they're like, oh, that's not the song that we're usually used to. But if you actually, um, 
And what happens then is like, yeah, it quiets them. And it's like, I don't like, what is my role? What is my part? Nobody's listening to me. What's wrong with me? There's this whole internal dialogue that happens, right? And when you look at a neurodiverse population, right? It is neurotypicals, OCD, anxiety disorder, autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dysphagia. Like it's, you know, sensory processing, right? And when people say, oh, everybody's a little neurodivergent, everyone is neurodiverse, but neurodivergent is the actual individual. Neurodiversity is the 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 topic right and neurodiverse is the grouping of all individuals right so if you have a neurodiverse workplace you have um everybody you know everybody that's the neurodiverse and so people think neurodiverse and neurodiversity just really means it's talking about this neurodivergent population right and so that's where a lot of there's you know, the confusion in the workplace. So if everybody, and this is what I, you know, it's like the things I've learned from the spectrum, the things I've learned from this is that um, when you are a, in a neurodiverse um, surrounding, right, you, which is, you just walk out the door and it's neurodiverse, right, <laughs> right, that it's, it's, um, we all have a, we all have a part to play and, and how we think and how we feel and how we act. Um, it really, yes, it's part of our personalities, but it's also the way that we are, we're wired. And if we are born this way, we are wired this way. People say, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's different. No, it's natural. It's natural, right? It's, it's, it's in the genomes right? We're all different. There's a reason. I love that you said that. And thank you for the breakdown between the difference of like neurodiversity, neurodivergence, like that they are different things to describe different, you know, subjects within neurodiversity in general. And I think that is something that we get confused. It's again, kind of like, I love how you said too, that like, oh, like neurodivergence and neurodiversity is like the new buzzword. Cause I feel like, you know, race relations and things like that, women's equality in the workplace, like all these things were like such novel ideas, right? But they're really not because. No, it's just people are speaking up. It's time to be heard. It's time, like, you know, when you talk about, you know, at the beginning, you talk about vision, right? Like, it's my, it is my vision to be out there, like, banging my chest saying, you know, like, we all deserve to be heard, to be seen, to appreciated for what we bring and who we are. And just because I don't look or think or speak or act the way that these other people do does not make me less of a person. It actually, I'm an individual, we're all individuals. And when we forget that, and and I find like that, that veil between workplace and home, we forget we're so used to in, I use the word brainwash just because it becomes 
the norm and we become numb to it, but everything gets siloed, right? So you can't separate. And that's my, it's my little pet peeve of work-life balance. Well, work, what do you mean work-life balance? Work is a part of life, right? It's life balance, right? So you have, as a parent, you have, okay, even just take whether you're neurodivergent or not, like right off the table, you have a child, like you have an autistic son, Right. I have two. I have two of those beautiful, wonderful kids. But it's like you go to work. What's happening at home affects you at work. What's happening at work affects you at home. And unfortunately, a lot of the workplace environments don't don't appreciate that if they even, as an example, allowed somebody to come in 15 minutes later. And then they would stay 15 minutes later, that that would actually ease a lot of tension and pressure that is happening at home. You know, we have to really, you know, we have to take that holistic view, holistic view with neurodiversity and being neurodivergent. It is not. And especially with our with our children and our children are the future workforce. Right. When people say, why are you working with parents? Why aren't you working there? I said, you have to pick a point. You have to pick a pace to start. Oh, that was a lot of peace. You have to pick <laughs> to start, right? And there are a lot of amazing people out there that are already working in that that realm, right? And they're doing amazing work. But what I find is the parents aren't getting that support. And Absolutely. if you have a neurodivergent child, more than likely, unless you were adopted, you know, or you adopted your child, one of those parents or both are neurodivergent, right? And, but because is when we become older, we learn all these coping skills and we're like, oh, that doesn't, so you, they think they've outgrown it or they think that they know it's just, you have coping skills and coping mechanisms and that carries on. So starting with the parents or starting with the youth, that's where when I'm working with parents, it's like, let's look at that parental influence, how that involves work, that involves the co-parenting relationships, that involves your community, that involves your children, that involves the school, that involves even yourself as a parent. And I have many clients that um, they don't want to hear that. They, They just think that, you know, oh, well, the doctor said, you know, we have to go to counseling, right? So, or in like the EAP programs or, you know, there's support for that individual to go to see a therapist or counseling or, you know, um, my kids go to social groups, but what's happening there and social skills, but what's happening is any individual, right? If you are not having the work done in yourself, if you are and call it defense mode inside you're feeling anxious nervous having negative thought whatever that is you know it is you're feeling things at a visceral level then how are you going to socialize how are you going to um, organize and plan and function in a team and work with other people you're not right and then then exactly the stigma happens. Oh, they don't work well with others. So it's this really vicious cycle. So where do you start? I have chosen to work with parents to help them help our future young adults, right? And that is really where you, you know, we look at what we bring in to 
you know, how were we raised? How, what was our experience? And being, you know, I was diagnosed with officially with ADHD, undiagnosed officially with autism, but through my children being diagnosed. And suddenly it like, it was healing, validating, inspiring, lit a fire, right? And it's just like, wow, because it affected me going for job interviews, not knowing this. It affected me working with coworkers, working all this and going, I wasn't built to work in an office. I wasn't <laughs> built to, you know, like, and you look at a lot of us creatives mm-hmm. and think the majority of us are neurodivergent individuals mm-hmm. and, you know, we want to play well with others, <laughs> but unfortunately other people pick up their balls and go home and we're kind of left there going, what's wrong? What happened? So then we forge these, we forge these amazing, you know, um, uh, I hate to say career, but career paths work <laughs> like passion. And we're like, well, if I can't do, I'm going to do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And here you guys are, you know, look what you guys have created. It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I just, I love everything you had to say. I'm like, Danielle, we, I also have a child on the spectrum. Um, so it is a very interesting perspective always, but I especially love to hear it. Um, just how you start with parents, which I think is so important. I think, um, like you kind of said, there is through your own children. Sometimes you're able to see kind of the things that Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay, wow. Like, I used to do that as a kid. Like, oh, this makes sense now. Interesting. <laughs> so you're able to see a lot of things, and there's a lot of self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest things for me was just, like, when my son got diagnosed, the biggest thing for me, I was just worried about him in the future. So yeah. I was worried about him at that moment, of course, because there were some behaviors and things that I knew mm-hmm. we needed to work on and to get him to be in the best position he could be. So not for anyone else, but like, you know, I wanted him to be able to speak well. And, you know, we had, we had to go through speech and lots of things. So he's doing amazing now. But my biggest thing was like, oh, my gosh, like, how's he going to function as an adult in terms of like just being his best self, not function for society's yeah. needs or not function, you know, yeah. on society's expectations, but I want him to be amazing, to be accepted, to be his full quirky self and for that to be okay. So that was like my biggest fear when we got the diagnosis. He's 13 now, he was diagnosed at three. So like, that was my biggest thing for like the first like four and five years. I was trying to figure out, like I was in my twenties, like trying to, you know, still grow up myself. And I'm like, how am I gonna raise this kid and make sure that, you know, people accept him how he is and that my family does and that I'm cultivating this environment. So I love the fact um, that you start with parents and Mm -hmm. that you're able to then kind of trans translate that into the workplace as well so apart from being um, neurodivergent as well and also the mother of um, neurodivergent kids what was kind of your um catalyst like what was like the light bulb moment for you where you're like okay gotta do this but i've got to work with parents and this is how this is gonna go because i love that you said, i love everything you had to say oh, thank you it, it you know i i you know I'm going to be absolutely honest because we have to be right. I couldn't make it look really pretty. And so, you know, all this, but really the base was um, I struggled as a kid. I saw my kids were struggling. My son at the age of like eight months was lining up cars and color and organ. I'm like, Oh my God, is this OCD? I'm like, wait, that might work in my favor. Cause I hate tidying, but no, it wasn't, but all these little things started coming up. Right. And it, and it, 
not consciously did I go, oh, this happened to me and make it all about me. Right. But it was just like, like you, I see the future of what could possibly happen. So I need to get answers. And a lot of parents, and this is not to bring any shame or anything. It's like using blameless discernment. It just is a lot of parents, whether it's cultural or their own experience or, you know, they're like, Oh, there's a stigma and a shame to this. No, when you have that diagnosis, and I can speak from personal experience, my kids got diagnosed and it was empowering, not only for us as a family, but for me, right? And having that diagnosis and understanding, and that's where the parents and the workplace, you really understand it's, it's, yes, neuro, you know, being neurodivergent, yes, it is a quote label and there's other labels, but everything's a spectrum. It really depends on how they're feeling interaction. I, I always put it as, as like a soundboard in a music studio where you have all those slides, right? And every interaction, those things are moving up and down, right? And, and so when I say as coming in from parents, we, everything is so, I said, my, well, my client, everything, we have the best of intentions, but also we are getting it. Sometimes we're getting in our kids way. And we're also some compounding issues because we're coming from a place of fear and anxiety about something in the future. We're not taking that time. Right. So that's where I'm like a lot I'm thinking of this one in particular, where we really went through that process of looking at that report and going through it. And there's a lot of mumbo jumbo, you know, and we're told that you get this report and we're supposed to send it to the school and, and it's out of our hands. We are immediately disempowered right there because we don't know, but also we look at it and it's, we expect that we get these, our kids diagnosed and it's going to have all the answers and then they have their resources and everything's going to fall in place and everything's going to be hunky dory. no, right? The parents really to, to ensure that our kids are successful. And that what I mean, and what I declare as success is that they are happy and they're secure with who they are. And they um, are the best people that they possibly can be and who they want to be. Because as parents, we have our experience, but we also have these expectations for these children. And suddenly these children aren't what we thought we were getting. You know, it's not like we can go back to the pet store or, you know, winners and return the item. Oh, Costco, they've got the best return policy, but unfortunately I've tried <laughs> to return my children there and they won't accept them, you know, but, you know, it's, it's that whole understanding. So when I work with parents, I said, let's look at this. What does this say? Yes, this is a lot of mumbo jumbo and psychology speak, but how does that relate to your children? How is this relating to the dynamic in your family, right? There's sibling relationships. There's the parent relationships. And when you you have one person in your family, you know, struggling, the whole family struggles. And then you have, you come in from the workplace and you're, or especially during the pandemic when we're all working at home and that child is having a meltdown and you're on a deadline and you get frustrated, that child automatically downloads that they're the cause of the problem, right? They're not. How as a parent, do you handle that? That's where I work with the parents. They, we have to, our, we teach our children, we lead by example, 
right? So if we can regulate, because we're telling our kids that they have to take these regulars, you know, social emotional learning and emotional regulation, but the parents were losing our we're losing that all the time. So what are we, there's this discourse, right? So that is, that is the, the big, that was the big motivating factor of having, seeing this happen in my own family and having all the neuroscience background, physiology background, being a regulated health professional for 23 years, working with clients in health and wellness, and I'm seeing what's happening over here, right? And no one's saying anything. And it's just this hear me roar. And, you know, no parent, everybody thinks, that you know, everyone's doing the best that they can at that moment with what they have, right? But the thing is, when we know better, we should be doing better. And that's not to shame anybody. It just, that's how we grow. So um, that is what I've been doing for the past. And I, I officially retired as a registered massage therapist at the end of 22, because I'm just like, I'm, I had a foot in each camp and People were saying, why aren't you talking about this? Why aren't you going out? And people ask me, you know, but then they're like, oh, you're not. I can't write you off for extended health benefits. So I'm just going to watch what you're saying. And I'm like, that's okay. Not everybody can, but let's look. Let's look at ourselves because as parents, we play a large part in the success of our children. And we don't really look in that mirror. So let's get a healthy workforce in the future. Let's have productive individuals that can help move this, you know, this global society into a much better and healthier place. And it all starts in the home. Oh my gosh, that was like award-winning. Thank you, Alex. Like, (laughs) I love, there are so many things to unpack here and just, and just the brevity of that. What I got most out of that entirely is a realizing um, before I knew that my child was on spectrum, it's the implied and it's the implied and the, and the unimplied things mm-hmm. that we can pass down innately to our children to really yeah. give them a full compass of mm-hmm. who of who they can be. It's, and. Yeah. I, I, I really leaned hard on the words that you were just saying about, you know, finding a place, pick a place. <laughs> you have to pick a place to start. Like, I totally agree with that. Um, some parents of us are not in that place and some of them are um, even with with or without neurodivergent children. I think it's super important that we do have to focus. Yes, it's important that we think about ourselves and how to be better for other people. Mm-hmm. But then also keep in mind that unimplied bias of, yeah. you know, what we are implying when we do those things. And and that's the thing, right? Like what I say to a lot of the parents and, and families, so I work with parents and families, right? Like we're all a unit. But I said, before you react like we, we all want to react. We all want to respond, not react. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to react. It's so, as being a parent, you could fly off the handle several times a day. It takes a lot <laughs> of composure, right? It takes a, it takes a lot of everything, but just even if I could, and this is the big thing, how we speak to our children is what develops the inner voice in their head. Correct. Yes. Right. And so 
I want to make sure that we work together. So it's changing the conversation, meaning it takes it from you're not trying hard enough or why aren't you doing this to oppose, you know, and then when, cause when you understand, and that's what I do when you understand, for example, ADHD, right. It's there's, you know, it's called several things like ADHD paralysis, overwhelm. When you have a, you know, and, and my son, they're both my children, autism, ADHD, LD, several LDs and other mood disorders, right? It's a whole alphabet soup in this household, right? And I look and I see, and it's very irritating as a parent when you've asked your child to do something several times and they're not doing it, or it looks like they're not paying attention. Well, you know what? Understanding how ADHD presents in your child, right? Then it's like, okay, there's that overwhelm. People say, oh, we'll just make a list. or you, And you're like, if it was that simple, don't you think I would be doing it, people, right? But And that's as an adult. But who at the age of 14, 15 has the maturity to have that, you know, and life experience to A, speak up for themselves, right? So this is how, you know, when I work with them, it's like, okay, let's backtrack that. Okay, so this is what's happening. We know how this presents. And so how can we have that conversation? Say, I understand, you know, I understand your, it looks like you're feeling overwhelmed at this point in time. I know, or I know you've got a lot going on. You know, is there a, is there anything that I can help you with? Or if you need, you know, I know I, I, you know, I believe in you and I'm going to let you, cause I don't want to take over. I don't want to disempower them. Cause if I jump in and try and fix their problem, right. This is what I say to the parents. It's a big thing. If you try and jump in and fix their problem, you're disempowering them. They're not learning how to problem solve as well. Right. And then also, then there's a lot of that independence that comes up and friction and tension in the household because they, as the child, the teen, the tween, you know, they're not being heard, understood, or sometimes we don't believe them as parents. Right. So helping parents understand how these things present, what's going on, how can you change the converse, change the communication to where it is supporting the children, right? Allowing them and even saying, okay, you're asking for my help. Do you want me to have my parent hat on, my coach hat on, or my consultant hat on? And we talk about those things, what those three things mean. And we, and you, and this one family I'm thinking of in particular, we had a family meeting. We sat down where there was no thing that really needed to be addressed that was emotionally in charge. We said, okay, this is, we're going to try this out. Okay, everybody, their parents, we have a parent hat, um, a consultant hat, and a coach hat. What does that mean? And they, we described what each you know, sort of hat is. And so then later on, when even with the parents, right, do you want my partner hat on my coach hat, my this? And so when somebody was having a difficult time, can you have to say, you know, my son and this other person too would be like, I need you know, can you put this hat on? And then you're wearing that hat. Everybody has the same understanding of what that hat is. So they could have a conversation in that 
sort of, um, you know, that sort of uh, dynamic and it's more productive, right? And it's healing. And that's the whole thing. We have to make sure that, um, cause there's all these little micro traumas. I'm sure both of you, you know, like you get so as a parent, you get so, uh, you know, and, and you, <laughs> that's very polite. And you like, you know, you see what's happening with your social circle outside and people can just leave the house or go to these gatherings and go to these, you know, other events and you know, their kids are involved in X, Y, and Z. And, you know, our kids aren't, you know, they're doing something else. And then there's that compare and despair loop that is so detrimental and we get so and I see it several times with individuals and with parents and with families that you get so comfortable but with being uncomfortable right that you just take it as a norm and then there's deflation that happens and give up and then that's all that negative and then you become they become they get into this like victim mode and what's wrong there's nothing wrong nothing needs to be fixed it's just really having that understanding of what you know expectations you know um who are your allies who, you know, positive communication, like take away the word problem and put challenge, you know, take away the word normal and put natural, right. Even those little, and I, I see it in the people that I work with when, even when we, we have like friendlier and more positive, empowering words, they mean very similar things, but just making that, slight change creates, it opens doors and it, and what happens then is the family starts to heal, right? And when the family is healing and the family is good, whatever's happening outside is better, right? The workplace environment gets better. The individual's experience in school gets better. It doesn't mean that, you know, all those problems are are going to go away, but you learn into each individually and as a unit, right? And you, you learn how to surf or navigate those challenges, right? And then each individual, it feels better because they have success and, and fit. We learn by failing. We learn by pushing boundaries and we have to let our children learn. And, and even in the workplace, yes, there's guidelines and things, but you have to allow, or you have to give space, hold space for everybody to come to the table with their ideas, right. In order to, to create something, right. Yes. I really love that. I love that that you circled both from kind of kind of the chicken before the egg or the egg before the chicken kind of feel. Oh, yeah. um, I, <laughs> I love that you kind of started with the nucleus, the home, and then yeah. how the home and how those lessons learned in that intimate community and dynamic, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. how that can progressively help 
mm-hmm. into a growing adult, into a, a person in the workplace, to a person mm-hmm. in the office, um, mm-hmm. how that can help stimulate deeper understanding and growth and, and nurturing, too. There's a level of nurturing. I just feel mm-hmm. like there's a, a more of it, obviously, starting in the beginning mm-hmm. um, in the household and amongst the individuals in the household. And right. that kind of trickles down into the relationships and the office culture or the workplace culture mm-hmm. that you initially are going into um, as an adult. So mm-hmm. I really love the fact that you mentioned that and gave a beautiful illustration as well and kind of working with families, really what you do. You mm-hmm. are a you're a specialty coach. You yeah. do this on a regular basis. Yes. And so I really kind of want to pick your brain about, you know, what what's your vision um, for more inclusion of being neurodivergent or just neurodiversity period as a as a society in the workplace for 2023. Oh, 2023. I have to cap it at 2023. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. and beyond. We'll throw it in. So like in in a perfect world. There wouldn't be, oh, you're neurodivergent, you're white, you're Asian, you're Hispanic, you're black. It's we're human, right? We are human. That is my big vision, right? Yes, you can be a human in the States, you could be human in Canada, you could be human here, and there's all that other crap that comes with that, right? But at the end of the day, we are all human. And it's like when you look at a cell, right? In biology, you have, yes, there's the, you know, the cell in itself, even the border and the membrane in the cell serves a purpose. Every, the Golgia apparatus, the mitochondria, all those other, they all have important roles to play, right? The Golgia apparatus isn't in going, oh, I'm glad I'm not a mitochondria, you know, like all that kind of stuff, right? No, they realize that each, you know, if they had a consciousness, but they realize that they are each just as important part of this whole of the whole. And without one, the whole doesn't exist. And that for me is about, um, you know, the whole thing about neurodiversity. It is not just about the ADHDers, the autistics, the, you know, all this. It is the vision for 2023 is that neurodiversity is the beautiful thing that makes us all because we are all so different, but we are all the same. That is, that would be the big, you know, tick number one. Right. But the vision, like on a smaller scale, the vision is getting people talking and letting parents and individuals. And again, that's my specialty in the family family, parent, and youth, that it is really, it is taking ownership. And, and we do, we do, parents have a lot on their plate, but really don't, not to be thinking that it's a judgment, we can all improve. And if we just even take those few moments, and I know a lot of parents are like, oh yeah, it must be easy for you um, because of this. And they're like, no, it's not easy. It's never easy. But it really, it's like, you know, you've heard that whole cliche, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can save anybody else. Well, you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself, not only as being a parent, and especially if you're the main nurturer or the primary nurturer, right? But you have to put that on not only for survival, but you also have to put that on for understanding, knowledge, patience, and understanding what role you play 
in the grand scheme of things because we think that we're all individuals and it doesn't matter. We're not free radicals. We're not bouncing all over the place. Celia's <laughs> like, oh my God, any more science references in here? <laughs> we're here for it. I love yeah. it. I'm, I'm a nurse. So I, yeah, I exactly. Science references all the time. Yes. Yeah. But it's, that ha- it's having that that awareness that again, it has to start with somewhere. And if I want my kids to be productive and successful individuals that will make a difference in this, on this planet, and we all play a role, right? We all play a role that it starts somewhere and it has, it has to start with the parent. Cause where is it going to start? You know, my 15 year old, I'm lucky if I can get him to unload the dishwasher without reminding him three times. Right. So how do I expect him to take on this? You know, you know, what are, you know, what are your beliefs? What have you brought up with? This is the expectation that I have and I'm not me. These things aren't as what I expected and all that sort of stuff. Right. And, and mindset, like my, 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 my kids are like, stop coaching me, stop telling me these things. And I'm like, they're important lessons. And I'm like, okay, I get it. It's like teaching your own child how to drive. Someone else has to let them know about that. But really, like mindset is huge. And we have to strengthen that mindset. And mindset isn't like, oh, kumbaya and being happy, shiny people all the time. And if you meet a happy, shiny person all the time, they're lying. They are lying, right? It's a facade, right? But you can still be happy even when things are going sideways, right? And it's, it's that like, you know, understanding that it is in that moment, that moment is rough and how you show up in that moment is how you, you show up other times and you have to get through that moment. Right. And that's what we are trying to teach our children, but we are not doing it as parents. It's the say as I do, not as I say, or what, however, I screw that one up every time. Right. But like, we have to look at ourselves in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Um, I know Cicely's taking lots of notes as we do as well, back and forth while, while people are talking. It's just so really, it's such a real conversation because as we talk about, um, as we talk about going into the workplace, as we talk about, again, going back to the, you know, the chicken or the egg, there's a nucleus. We start with the parents. We start with the individuals that are nurturing, right? Mm-hmm. And we kind of go and move ourselves up into this area where we're still figuring out, but we have that nurturing component or that nurturing dynamic, mm-hmm. that environment that gave us confidence to mm-hmm. still try to work and figure it out. And exactly. so now as we go into this work, we go into more adult mode, right? Yeah. We go into... Yeah. Um, you know, having to pay our own bills, we're working into having to establish social relationships. We go into these spaces where we don't feel as confident, but because of the nurturing background, that platform mm-hmm. um, that's established, we feel confident enough to at least try. Exactly. And I think that is the most most cognitive, in a lot of ways, miracle that I feel like a lot of um, coaches that do what you do are able to establish and maintain over time. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to definitely give you kudos because I know that cannot be easy. Um, and I know that that dynamic, again, of kind of setting that expectation of platform to mm-hmm. establish that connection mm-hmm. um, is just so beneficial overall when we talk about raising children, period, but even more specific for those who are neurodivergent. And I also want to like give you a, a lot of praise as well, because I'm sure walking into those spaces can also be a self-check for self, right? Oh, God. <laughs> 
I'm like, whoop. But that's the thing. Self-check for self, right? And, and this is how even when we check in with ourselves, we have to keep judgment out, right? And that's the thing. We have as parents, as individuals, it doesn't matter how old we are. There is judgment everywhere. There's judge of self. There's judge of others. There's judge of circumstances, right? And that's a whole thing. And, and learning the tool, and this is where I always start. It's like part of the foundational training, right? Is learning the tool of blameless discernment, right? And empathy, Right. We have we empathize and neuroscience plays a huge part of it. I'm, I'm a self-professed neuroscience geek, but there is there is method in the madness. And if you understand even the basics of neuroscience and the neuroplasticity and yes, change takes a long time and it's uncomfortable at the beginning. Right. And why it's so easy to slide into habits. Right. But even when you take that and you take that into a parenting realm or you take that into a workplace, you take that into a social place, right? It is, um, it helps when you have that understanding, even the basics of neuroscience, it helps understand the why and the why and behaviors, but also to not being in a judgmental place, having a place of empathy. So if, for example, I'm talking with someone and somebody is losing it, right? in the workplace or my boss or manager, right? First thing you get into a defense mode or you like, what did I do wrong? And, and there's this toxicity, but it might not even be anything to do with you. And especially if you are a neurodivergent individual, you're already feeling outside of the box. You're already feeling that you're different and all this other stuff. So there's all that compounded. And then that, that outburst or that irritation, whatever that energy that is coming at you, most likely has absolutely nothing to do with you. So even having that moment where you're saying, you know, okay, this person, and, and it's all split second, right? But this person is having an off day and I'm not giving, I'm not condoning the behavior, but I'm just understanding that he's having a tough time or she's having a tough time or they're having a tough time, right? So it is, then that is how you start to navigate through that scenario, right? Maybe I did botch something up and that was rightly, but it's not right for that individual to disrespect me, right? And it's having the confidence as a neurodivergent individual to say, okay, yes, it's done this way, but we learn more through failure, right? And we learn more through, and I'm not talking epic fails. Like, yes, we learn a lot through epic fails, but like those little things and, and tweaking and, and having that again in, in that coaching process, we look at it saying, okay, well, how did that work? That didn't work well. It doesn't mean you throw it out. Let's have a look at that. And what did you learn from that? Right? Because if you're just like, oh, instead of having that belief of, oh, I'm not very good at this and it didn't work well and I'm avoiding this, that is a whole other snowball effect, right? So what it is, is having that, this is where like the mindset comes in and and and, um, and neuroplasticity and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that's where you, you know, you come in and go, okay, well, that didn't work. What could I do next time? What systems can I put in place? And if that next time it still doesn't work, we look back. 
but we give it, but we're not in, I don't encourage my clients to like bash their head against the wall every time. Like it's also knowing your boundaries, your expectations and, and, and safety, you know, your personal, emotional, physical, and mental, you know, safety and, and when you to withdraw. So it's, it's very complex and people are like, Oh, I don't want to talk about that, but it's easy. It's just in a general conversation. And, and, and when we, and sometimes even whether you're a, a, a manager, a boss, a coworker, a parent, a sibling, a friend, somebody on the street, when we are listening, are we listening? Are, a lot of people are listening to respond. They're listening so they can put their opinion and belief on to, we really need to learn to really listen, active listen and listen through our eyes, our ears, see the body language. Cause that is where we get so much information. Right. And especially for our nonverbal, you know, our nonverbals out there are, are, um, you know, like the selective mutism, all that it's, it's, you know, even people come out and they think, oh, well, this person doesn't really talk to anyone. It's supposed to be wrong. That's a that's a, a limiting belief. That's a fixed mindset. But just saying and, and having a team at work saying, OK, well, they're not really interacting, just having a little empathy. Maybe it's they can't talk in a group. Maybe they're more comfortable emailing something right? Or writing it down, but just have holding that space and, and having that person or understand what that, how that neurodivergence um, presents in that individual. And that's where a lot of managers and friends and family really soapbox, soapbox, <laughs> need to, you know, Tell us, please really, do. <laughs> really take a, you know, really take a stand, own it. Mm-hmm. Own it. Say, and it's okay to say, I don't know, or, Hey, you know, can you, you know, take them aside and just say, I want to learn more. How, how can we make this work together? You're an important part. Like, obviously they're hired for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And it's, and it's finding out, you know, because everybody has abilities, strengths and challenges and funny quirks. And it is not just for the neurodivergent population. It is, again, the neurodiverse population, the age, right. everybody, we all have our quirks. Sometimes I'd rather hang out with the neurodivergent population because <laughs> <laughs> much more interesting, you know, 16 people in a room and 24 conversations, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. I love the fact that you even mentioned like that, uh, the ability to understand how to nurture in the workplace. I mean, yeah. we're not us as managers. I, I count myself as one of those, mm-hmm. um, you know, us as CEOs looking from the top down. Yeah. I think it's really important that we make that effort to mm-hmm. under to understand that everyone's not going to get it on the first, you know, drop. They're not going to get it necessarily even in the second drop. Maybe there's another way to go about it. And I I really applaud anyone who's listening from an entrepreneur or business or boss or manager standpoint to really understand what Alex is trying to say, which is really literally understanding that there's more than one way to cut down a tree. There's yeah. more than one way to do the things that you want to do to achieve the goals that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important that we find more ways 
to let people know that it's really important to have those side conversations, to be able to talk to someone without talking down, um, being able to um, appreciate the gift of someone and not overreach um, to a place that makes them feel small. When you come, when you come at it from, yes, there are dynamics, right? There's all these dynamics all the time, you know, they're in hierarchies, however you want to put it. Right. But when you cut and, and like, even in the parent realm, like the hard stop is like safety and stuff. Right. But really when you look at everything, I don't care if you're, you know, the queen of England or, you know, the president or whomever you are, when you come at things, in a collaborative mindset, a collaborative space, that is where you you get the best out of everybody. It may not be exactly what you want to hear, or even sometimes it's having someone with a different idea. And even though you know it's not going to work, it gives you that that check. It gives you that, oh, I never thought about it that way. And who knows, that might like inspire something later on down or not be in that moment. So when we come at, when any interaction that we have, whether it's coworker, manager, boss, whatever, when we come in and we have those conversations and we come in at a collaborative level, it's, and when you come in a collaborative level, it is not disregarding who is where on that totem pole, right? But it's still a totem pole is not a totem pole. If it's not collaborative, there's a story. It's like that cell it's collaborative, right? So that's my big thing. It's collaboration. That's how we are going to survive as a species as collaboration. That's how we're going to survive, you know, socially in our family in love. It's collaboration. If you're not collaborating, you're isolating, Oh, that, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, write that one down. One. That, was, <laughs> that was real good. <laughs> I'm trying to get to you, of course. <laughs> you heard it here first. So yeah, heard it here first. Hot off the dresses. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I think that is so impactful as we talk about being in a workplace that is more accepting of mm-hmm. diverse minds. And Mm -hmm. I also think that it's very intuitive, too, for a lot of us. This may be new to you. Maybe this conversation of neurodiversity is something you hear, but you kind of tone out. Now Mm -hmm. is the time to start addressing. Now is the time to start um, being more knowledgeable. Now is the time to educate yourself, to get behind um, what we are trying to expose a little bit more of um, in the workplace, which is, you know, each one teach one. And also understanding, too, that all of us are different, but it doesn't exclude It's not a place of exclusion. It's a place of inclusion. Being a neurodivergent individual is an invisible condition. People say disability. Things are changing in that because people are realizing that it's not a disability. It's the environment that can be disabling. It's a condition. That is a big thing. Topic another day. But it's like it it really is that... um, Just because someone looks this way doesn't mean there isn't something going on and don't assume because it makes an ass out of you and me. My grandmother taught that. And the older I get, the more I catch myself, you know, and it really is like it's invisible. And if it was visible somehow, 
right? People, I think, would be more accepting, understanding, because they see it. Oh, someone needs a crutch and someone needs a wheelchair. Someone needs a guide dog or someone needs a technology speak assist, you know, right? But and so suddenly, you know, that's off. But when you are an individual that has a invisible, you know, uh, condition, tolerance levels go down really, really quickly. I hope that anyone who's listening to this message is really either absorbing the absorbing the acceptance, absorbing the education. Um, are there a few resources? I'm just going to randomly ask. Is there a few resources that you highly suggest um, for other people to learn more about being more accepting of neurodivergence? Obviously, alexleach.ca is a great place to go. Hey. <laughs> right? It's a great place to go. And hiring me as your coach and consultant, and that's the best place to go, right? But, right. If you're, you know, but if you are looking at, you know, where do you start? You know, there's, there's, like TikTok has this, YouTube has this, like mm-hmm. there's so many people out there. And what I say is when you are looking at this stuff, just please keep in mind, especially, and it's not a, um, a slight on any of the amazing individuals that are working in this realm and they're posting on social media, any platform on social media, right? They're there to, um, to advocate and to educate, right? As well as entertain. But when you are somebody that is starting out or you're questioning or you're not sure and you're looking at this, right? There's a lot of great suggestions out there, but find somebody that can help you help guide you through this because it's it's no different than reading a parenting book or reading how you know managing for dummies or whatever right yes it's there on print but we are not all carbon copies of the case studies that are in here and not everything is going to work. So what ha- if, if you try something and it works, that's wonderful, but there's the accountability piece, right? And there's the problem solving piece and finding that, finding somebody like myself, finding somebody and I'll, and my, and my peers, there's so many out there that I don't even know. And there's a lot that I do know. Right. But finding that trusted individual that can help you if something isn't working, because if you throw it out, goes, it doesn't work. Suddenly you can be closed minded, but also the people that you're working with. Right. So your, you know, your employees, your coworkers, your children, um, think about the other side of that. It didn't work for you, but there's also, there's a, there's a, a reaction to your action, right? So we do not want to make anybody feel small. We do not want to, um, no one's intentionally hurting anybody, but some of the stuff out there can be harmful if not applied and followed through in the right way. So find that trusted individual, start with Google or the social media things, but find that, that person that can help you. And I love that you said that. So thank you for like, you know, the vetting process as well. Like you said, there's a million things on Google and social media, but like you said, we're all completely different and what, you know, may apply for one person may not apply exactly for me. So having that professional guidance, having someone who can lead you in the right direction and also be a safe space for you because the internet can be like a sinking, a sinking hole and not very safe. It could be a beautiful rabbit hole or it can be a very scary rabbit. It's either the red pill or the blue pill. Yes. And you never know. (laughs) You never know. Right. I love that. 
I love that. You like again. We have to acknowledge that, like especially with kids. Like I know we all have teenagers, so especially yeah. with kids. Like you know, my son will see something on like, oh, I googled it, but I'm like, what was the source? Like Google's not the source, right? Like it came from like the Sun, you know, the UK newspaper, the Sun. Yeah. So I'm like, sir, I'm I don't know. We have to investigate that. First. Fact check, right? It's like everything exactly. else. Like if you're a journalist, right? You're a parent. You go one source. If you've checked a few sources, like three out of five, all are saying. Then you know that it's true, right? And right. that's the thing. Like if you say, okay, this, this, you know, oh, so and so said this, or I read this, and you apply it to every every person, it's like you know, I love um, being an autism mom, and and um, again, autistics aren't always, there's like 65% of autistics have multiple diagnoses, right? Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, you, and the saying in the, you know, autism communities meet one person who has autism, one autistic, you meet one autistic. It is the same for ADHD. It's the same even for neurotypicals. You meet one person, you meet right. one person, right? <laughs> one like, the things that we have learned in this space benefit everybody. Like when I'm working with my educators, right? when you when you you chunk down information you break it up you change certain words you address and say so try hard or you could do better next time or that's your best even something as simple as they say that's your best work yet you have put pressure on somebody you have put um you've increased anxiety people don't realize that you see even with in parents, when a child comes with like art, instead of saying, oh, that's your best piece yet, or that's my favorite, you've set an expectation and you set that bar for that child or that individual to fail next time or not really want to try because of fear and anxiety by saying, I love how you've done this, or I, you know, in the workplace, I, I, I love how you came at this a different angle. Right. Right. We might not be able to use this right now, but I really appreciate that. Even just saying something as simple as that makes that other person become more engaged and feel like they're a part of a team and come in there. And yes, that's how we speak in the neurodivergent world, but it benefits everything, everybody. Right. And that's one thing I love about like lessons as uh, being an autism mom that like so many things I've learned from my son and his experiences have Mm -hmm. made me not only be a better mom to him because I'm a great mom for him, right? I may not be a mom for someone else's, a great mom for someone else's kid, but I'm a great mom for him. Mm -hmm. It's also made me like take a step back and look at how I approach things. And now I look at things like no matter where I am and what I'm doing, instead of like, you know, again, we were talking about checking biases and judgments and things like that. Instead of like the first thing, like, oh my gosh, like what's happening? Why is this person, you know, so upset? Like, well, gosh, it's not that big of a deal. Now I think of other things. Well, you know what? Either this is this is very upsetting for this person. And I wonder if they're on the spectrum or I wonder if, you know, they were having what was happening in their day ahead of time. So I take a step back and instead of leading with just like, oh, my gosh, this is holding me up. I got things to do. I lead with a much different point of view because I'm like, you know, one day that could be my son having a meltdown at, you know, the self-checkout. <laughs> at Walmart. Oh, I'm sometimes afraid to go back to a couple of grocery stores because of conversations I've had with people. Which sometimes I'm like, really? Do you want to say that to my face? You know, you hear about like you don't know what's going on, right? Not in a situation is, you know, not being 
you know, combative and confronted to that person, obviously say a little nicer, right? But it's just like, you know, you don't know what's happening here. And as being that mom, also being an individual, there are some things and I go into certain, you know, interviews and even, um, you know, when I'm, I'm also um, an ambassador uh, in the World Mindset Organization, and I work um, with captains and poets as their neurodiversity consultant. And, you know, I have a lot of other companies that I'm working with, you know, and I, I preface things first saying, and, and at first, at the beginning, I was a little embarrassed. Why am I defending myself before I even get started? No, this is part of the process because I, I am proud I'm a proud neurodivergent individual and, you know, take me or leave me and you're hiring me for this. But yes, I am a runaway train. I know you guys are figuring this out now. (laughs) I'm a runaway train at times, right? But also too, I bring value. And if I'm going too fast, my husband says he, it's like following my conversation in a maze. You go around and have to come all the way back again, right? But it's like, if you understand that, you just, I said, buckle up, buttercup. It's, it's going to be a very interesting <laughs> ride, right? right? If we we help everybody, you know, do that whole, you know, advocate for self, but also having empathy and compassion, not only for self, but for others, mm-hmm. then that's when the creativity and the sparks and the the joy and the the collaboration and support all come into play. And now for our highly requested, but never too revealing flash questionnaire. Check out these responses. Okay, bring it on. I'm ready. Okay. So something you've learned um, in the past year. So a life lesson, hobby, or fun fact. <sighs> I have learned that the older I get, the less I know, and I'm okay with that. And I'm actually good with that. I love that. Um, Your favorite vacation or getaway spot? With or without children? That's very different. Without. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Without. Um, I curse out. I went there with a curacao, went uh, scuba diving with my husband and another set of friends. And it was just, it was, it was lovely. And then there's like South Africa. I was there. And then like, we, we travel a lot, but the food and the environment and the people and the small villages and the community, just everybody was so beautiful. So it's like the activity was curacao. But if I really talk about the experience, the full experience, it was South Africa. That is amazing. So now you make me want to go. Um, Sweet snacks or savory snacks? Savory. Savory. (laughs) That was easy. Harry Potter or Star Wars? Oh, those are two different camps. It's like apples or oranges. Um, I would have to say I was born in 1967. So it was 10 when Star Wars came out. And my grandfather took us, the whole family, out to see Star Wars at a theater that no longer exists. And (laughs) I was like glued. So I will have to say Star Wars. But, but, you know, that's that's it's like savory sweet. I like sweet things. Right. But I'm not dissing Harry Potter, but. More of a connection to Star Wars. More of a connection to Star Wars, yes. Okay, I love that. Um, Digital books or physical books? Physical books. That's our 98% right there. Most everyone says um, physical books. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could go back in time, where would you go and whom would you see? (sighs) 
Okay, time my lifetime? Any lifetime. Any <laughs> lifetime? The last lifetime, whichever. Ah. <laughs> uh, I would go back to when I was around 10 to my grandparents' cottage and it would be after dinner, after we finished dishes, my grandfather would go sit down the little um, bench down by the waterfront and I would go sit with him. Oh, I'm getting all goosebumps. And and go sit with him and have my conversations with him. That's right. I love that. That is a beautiful memory. I love that. Um, Your love language or love languages. So like how you um, like to receive love, like how do you receive love? Oh, I receive love. Um, Oh, that's complex. I receive love by the ability to, the ability to be me and who I am. And so when I am able to be who I am, I can receive love because if I'm not loving who I am, I can't receive love. Absolutely. I love that answer. That makes sense. And last but not least, the best part of being a grown up. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Best part of being a grown up. Oh, um, <laughs> best part of being a grown up is I can jump in the car and go wherever I want to go or envision that I'm going, but that's also, that's hard. Yeah. It's, it's, it's knowing that I can, or I should, but maybe I won't, or I don't have to. Yes. I I think that's my, you know, that's it. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I have things that I have to do, but do I? Yeah. Okay. And when you get to dictate, you get to decide. That's the thing. I love that. That was awesome. I love that. That's one of my favorite answers so far for that question. I'm stealing that answer. That's my favorite part of being a grown up too. (laughs) I feel sorry for anybody else that has interviews after me because I've set the bar high. (laughs) You did. You have started the year off right. Like they've got to really, really. I'm sorry. I'm just having fun. Set that bar. She set that expectation, folks. Like it's right there. It's right there. It's right there. Yeah. Those are great questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use those. (laughs) It really makes you think. It makes you think about things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, Alex, I thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your energy with us today. Thank you so much. Um, For all of those out there who want to uh, follow you, we'll put all that in our show notes for today. And I continue to, again, thank everyone who has been listening, continue to listen, are just now starting to listen to the More Than Graphics podcast. Thank you all for watching and we'll catch you on the next episode of the More Than Graphics podcast. And just like that, the episode ends, but the convo has just begun. Thanks for listening to the MDG podcast. We want to hear from you. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it a review on your listening app of choice. Continue to follow us across MTG social and look out for bonus content releases throughout the year. This podcast is produced by Octane Design Studios. Until next time, friend. Thank you.